Welcome back to Minds Matter. Um, for us, it's been a minute. Actually, we haven't been in the studio for a while. Um, we've been right. on a little hiatus. Six weeks or something, right? Yeah, it's it's been, yeah, six weeks. I think so. Yeah. Going back into it. Yep. I'm sure you missed us. Although you should have gotten an episode about three weeks ago. So, um, <laughs> Okay, so as usual, I'm Ava. I'm here in the studio in Amsterdam. And we've got Beth with us. Um, from Australia. Hey guys. <laughs> um, I think that's a bit quiet. I'm gonna make her a bit louder. Um, okay, so today we're talking about something that is pretty important, I think, for a lot of women that we know. And actually, disclaimer, we're probably gonna be saying women a lot in the podcast today. Um, but when we're saying women, we're actually talking about people who have uteruses and who are taking the contraceptive pill or other forms of hormonal birth control. Um, yeah. And that doesn't necessarily have to be people who identify as women, obviously, but we might be using that as kind of a shorthand. So that's just a disclaimer. Um, but before we get into the pill, which is what we're talking about today, and I guess hormonal contraceptives more broadly, but most research seems to have been done on the oral contraceptive. Sure. Um, yeah. Let's start with a little sex ed lesson. So... Um, <laughs> I think actually it's, I, I feel like I forget how the menstrual cycle works a lot of the times, even though it's something I deal with. And I think a lot of to people, honest, yeah. Yeah, I've got no idea. <laughs> I really. Yeah. Um, so okay. basically the, the two kind of main, um, main hormones that we'll be talking about, mostly the first is estrogen um, and the second is progesterone. So um, at the beginning of the menstrual cycle, which starts with your first day of your period, um, estrogen levels are pretty low and progesterone levels are pretty low. Then up to the point of ovulation, so that's when you're able to actually conceive, estrogen levels go up and they peak around day 14, so around the time that um, you could actually conceive. And the progesterone levels are also slowly rising in that phase. Then right after ovulation, there's kind of a dip in your estrogen levels and then they rise back up slowly, but not as much. And so in the kind of latter half of the menstrual cycle, um, your progesterone levels are higher than estrogen, and then they both drop back down, and that's when you'll have your period. So essentially then what the pill does is that it kind of regulates this really regular um, fluctuation of hormones that women typically mm -hmm. have. And so it's keeping the levels of estrogens and progesterones always low, and so in this way, it stops ovulation. So that's essentially what um, hormonal birth control does. Um, and the pill and other kinds of hormonal contraceptives basically just release synthetic versions of these sex hormones like estrogen and progesterone. And this happens in all kinds of different combinations. Some pills are just estrogen. Um, some pills have different combinations of estrogens and progestins. So that's also, um, as we'll get into an issue with uh, the research is that there's all these different types yeah. of hormones playing. 
Um, so today we're going to talk about the effects of taking the pill on cognition, so on things like working memory and long-term memory. Um, we'll also talk about the effects on mood, so there has been some links to depression, among other things, that we'll get into. And then we'll also talk about the possible effects on attraction, so on who you're actually interested in. Um, but we'll start off with, uh, with the less juicy of the topics with, um, with cognition. So I think Beth has some studies that she's going to tell us about. Um, yeah, so I found an interesting study. It's just been published this year, so um, very recent. And it's from the University of Ottawa. Is that near Toronto? Yeah, that's, that's, that's our, our capital that's the capital of the country. It's the capital of the country, but it's not the capital of our province. So Ontario, um, Ontario has both Toronto and Ottawa. Geography okay. lessons. Little geography <laughs> lesson. Um, so basically what this group did is they um, got women who were taking the pill and women who weren't. Um, and then, yeah, so ba- uh, just to flag this issue already, a lot of problems with research on the pill is that you are picking – from your samples, like women who have already decided to go on the pill, you can't, there aren't studies that it's like, okay, we'll measure certain things within someone before they take it. And then after yeah, you can't really give someone a sugar pill and be like, be like, these ladies will go on the real pill and the other ladies will go on a fake (laughs) pill. That's an ethics problem. Um, so basically they got both groups of women to do all these different tests, like stress tests. The stress test was they had to do like arithmetic, like on the spot, which, and then another one was like public speaking. Very um, and another test they did was the end back task. And I'm going to explain this, but I think Ava might have to help because I'm not always great at explaining <laughs> these things. So basically what they so they're in an MRI and they saw um, images and you had to press if okay so just say you saw an image of a dog and an image of a cat and then an image of a dog you would press two back because you saw the image of the dog two spaces back is that right um, yeah so I think the end back is like there are different versions of it so the N stands for like the number of um, how many back that you're trying to look at so yeah it's 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 essentially what you said so you'll see um yeah an image of something and if you're doing the one back then if the image that you're seeing now matches the one that you just saw so the image one back then you'll click a specific button saying that that it is correct or that's what you're looking for and then if it's the two back then it's what you said so it would be like um, if you see an image of a dog, then you see an image of a cat, then you see an image of a dog again, then that would match the image that you saw two back. So you would press that button and then you can also do three back and four back and it gets more difficult, but it's essentially like a measure of working memory. So like holding yeah. things in your mind and manipulating things in your mind, but yeah. And they measure, um, like response time and things like that. So this one did one that was emotionally valent. So they did a group where the images were positive and like these were really cute. They were like puppies and kittens. They did neutral images that were like shoes and chairs. And then they did this one of negative images, which like honestly in lockdown, I found distressing to look at. Um, so if you're looking at this paper, definitely scroll past that. Um, but those images were upsetting. <laughs> so what they saw... Um, is that in the brain activity of the um, inferior frontal gyrus, so this controls like language and speech, 
So there was no difference between people who were on contraception and people who weren't in the positive and neutral. But in the negative category, there was more brain activity in people who were on the pill compared to who weren't. So, but the response times were the same between the groups. So it was just the brain activity. So what we can conclude from this is not a lot. <laughs> no. So there is some difference, but they don't really know because, yeah, the response times were different and the performance was the same. It was just the activity. But they, there, was, there was a difference. But then in terms of the stress test and all these other things, they didn't find a difference between um, the, the two groups. Okay. And that's, and that's actually interesting because it kind of goes against, um, this, so this study that Beth mentioned is from this year and it, yeah. this, this does go against, especially with the stress, stress response, um, prior work or earlier work from the like 2010s, I think around mm -hmm. 2012, 2014, there were some studies. Um, and even before that in the nineties, there were studies, um, that showed that women who were taking, oral contraceptives I think they limited it to oral contraceptives and not other types of hormonal birth control um that these women had a reduced stress response so in particular they were looking at cortisol which is essentially a shorthand in neuroscience or neuroendocrinology is that it's kind of like the stress hormone yeah and these studies found that women who were on the pill had these kind of like blunted responses to like a stressful situation. So typically when you're in a stressful situation, your cortisol levels will shoot up. And um, that's also really important for the memory process. So that's one of the reasons that people were kind of alarmed by these results is that um, yeah. when cortisol level goes up, that kind of signals to the amygdala, which is like kind of known as like it's been known as the fear center, but it's actually more of like a salient center. So it's like, this yeah. is the place that um, in the brain is like, okay, we need to pay attention now. So, um, and that amygdala response then signals that you have to take that stressful event that you just experienced and learn it as a memory. So cortisol is important for the memory process in that sense. And this research showed that women were not really having that same response. And so there mm -hmm. was this discussion of whether that would impact their memory um, and there was some evidence that women who were on the pill were not remembering or were remembering um, negative events more. So even there, there was confusion, but there was this like clear blunted cortisol response. But it's yeah. kind of similar because even, you know, in those studies where it was like, OK, we definitely have this hormonal response that's different. But the actual behavioral um, consequence of that was difficult to interpret and kind of swung both ways. And now there's this new study that's basically saying that even that hormonal response isn't necessarily happening either. Um, yeah, and, and with what they find with the brain activity, and there's other things that they find within the paper, but one of their conclusions is, well, if the, uh, if the participant didn't feel different, like does this, does this really matter? And like so difference in brain activity and different in difference in other things, like if – if you feel the same and you're responding the same and you, you know, on the questionnaires that you fill out, it's the same. Like what, what are the implications for that then really? Yeah. I think yeah. that's definitely an issue with this research as well is like, if you don't notice the difference, then 
does it matter? And I guess that's kind of more a philosophical question, which yeah. we can leave to our leave to our listeners. Um, but essentially, the the cognitive side of the effects of the pill are are very unknown for the moment. Um, and I do want to get into this study that. So I I in my undergraduate degree. Um, in Toronto, I worked, one of the first studies that I really worked on seriously was um, with a friend of mine, Laura Gravelsons, who's doing her PhD now um, in the Einstein lab at U of T as well in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And um, so she started this really cool study that was like totally her brainchild, like as a fourth year undergrad that then became her PhD. Um, And it was kind of looking into this, this idea of how estrogens are affecting cognition specifically in women who are taking the pill. And so um, she did use the NBAC test, the one that Beth talked about. Yeah. And so as we mentioned before, this is a test of working memory. And so working memory is something that is really controlled by the prefrontal cortex, which we've talked about in other episodes of the show, um, which is basically figuring out how to plan things, kind of those higher cognitive functions, which doesn't really mean anything, but... <laughs> um, So it's essentially planning things and it takes care of working memory, among other things. And um, working memory is also really heavily dependent on um, a hormone called dopamine. We've also talked about dopamine in this show um, as it relates to addiction and as it relates to the learning process. Um, And so I'm just going to, as I'm explaining this, this is just a warning that this is very complicated. But that's I that's kind of the point is that figuring out this stuff is so complicated because there's so many layers like already in what I've talked about we have hormones we have um your brain we have the way that you're as Beth said the way that you actually feel like you're performing and the way that you feel like um you're doing and we already have estrogen as another um factor that interacts with this so what my friend was looking at was yet another interaction which was actually with your genetics so essentially um, the issue with estrogen and or the interaction between estrogen and dopamine is that estrogens basically work to push dopamine to be around more in your brain. So there's more dopamine synthesis when there's more estrogen around. And as we mentioned at the beginning, um, in naturally cycling women, there is this kind of reliable ebb and flow of the way that um, your estrogens are in your body. So at a certain phase, there'll be more estrogen and in a certain phase, there'll be less estrogen. Um, so is that why people can get like sad before their period? Um, due to the dopamine? Yeah. I don't know actually if it's a dopamine interaction. That's a, that's a good question. But actually from this lab, I mean, there's, there's a lot of work on PMS and that's also like a whole other topic um but in the lab in the einstein lab they actually did a study on pms and they basically found that there was like no interaction between your hormones and your time of cycle and your mood and the hypothesis yeah the hypothesis is kind of like it's also like you know we're in the social world and it's like this time that women are allowed to express their feelings so you're like oh okay now i can actually you know be really be yeah I mean, that's, that's, that's what they found in that study. But I think it, it, there are definitely studies that will find something else, Um, (laughs) but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how dopamine interacts with that, but it could, it could be something, but anyway, so back to, back to working memory. Um, So, okay. So now let's, 
let's go back to what we already have. So we know that in naturally cycling women, there are phases where estrogen goes up and estrogen goes down. And for working memory, you need to have a certain amount of dopamine. And what's important here is that you need to have like an optimal level of dopamine. So if you have too much dopamine, then you're pushed over the edge and you're not performing that great on working memory. So you're not going to be doing like arithmetic in your head very well. And if you have too little, you're also not going to be doing great on arithmetic. So you want to have an optimal level of your dopamine being kind of like a sweet spot to, to perform like math tasks and remember phone numbers and stuff like that. Um, and so now this third interaction is with your actual genotype. So there is um, something called the COMPT um, genotype in women and men. I think in women and men, definitely women. Um, but um, essentially the COMPT genotype has two polymorphisms, which just means two different types of the gene. Um, yeah. And so there is one polymorphism or type of the gene that um, will cause this enzyme that breaks down dopamine to move a lot faster. So people who have this VAL, it's called VAL um, type of this gene, the enzyme to break down dopamine is going to go really fast. And so result is that you have less dopamine. And then for other people who have a different type of um, the gene, which is the MET gene, those people have a slower breakdown. So they have more dopamine overall in the system. So studies tried to see whether, um, because there was this effect of estrogen and dopamine, whether um, at different phases of the cycle, women would be performing better or worse on um, working memory tests like the NBAC. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these studies were inconclusive and they found that there wasn't really an effect or there was like these varying um, studies that found different effects. And then one study, I think in around 2010, took into account the actual um, genotypes of the women involved. And so they found that for women who had this faster dopamine breakdown already happening, um, so they had less dopamine overall when there was an increase of estrogen. So when they were in those phases of their cycle with more estrogen, because that was causing there to be more dopamine, they were performing better. And the opposite effect occurred for women who were whose dopamine breakdown was already slow. So they had more dopamine um, regularly. And then when they were in the low phases, there was less estrogen pushing the synthesis of dopamine. So then they were moved to their sweet spot. So the idea is that depending on your genotype and depending on the phase of the cycle, um, your dopamine is going to be pushed into the kind of right amount of dopamine or not. Right. Yeah. Um, So my friend, Laura Gravelsons, she so she did um, a study looking at trying to reproduce this effect, but then also looking at um, the pill because when you're taking the pill, even though it's a synthetic version of estrogen, when you've taken the pill after like an hour or two, then you have a spike in the amount of synthetic estrogen that you have in your blood. And then like 24 hours later, that amount drops. So she was trying to see whether there was the same type of interaction. And what she found was that in women who were taking... um, in women who were taking the birth control pill, there wasn't that same effect. So women who were, um, so depending on the time that you took the pill, it didn't really affect how well you're performing, but there was actually a main effect of the genes. So women who had a slower dopamine breakdown, so more dopamine generally, they were performing better. But in the naturally cycling women, she did find an interaction between the gene type and the, um, and the phase of the cycle, but it was actually the opposite to what the first study found. So really difficult to interpret essentially. 
Um, so wait, if so, women who were on the pill, yeah, if they had, all right. So you've got the two types. You've got the heaps of dopamine and not so much dopamine yeah. gene. If you were on the pill, were you affected differently? If between the two types, yeah. So the only thing that she found was what they call a main effect of the mm-hmm. genotype. So heaps of dopamine women were performing better than the not so heaps of dopamine women on the pill. Yeah, on the pill. And then if women who weren't on the pill. Yeah. The, the same. Women who weren't on the pill, there was an interaction between um, the moment of the cycle you were in so which essentially represents how much estrogen was in the blood or mm-hmm. around the body and um the the genotype so there was only okay. that main effect of the genotype for women who were on the pill but when women when we were looking at naturally cycling women there was that interaction but it was the opposite interaction to what was seen in the study that this Definitely. first study was based on um, so could we summarize this as if you have the heaps of dopamine gene and are on the pill, you're in a better position than if you don't have the heaps of dopamine gene or on the pill in terms of this working memory test, just as a little yeah, summary. Yeah. This is complicated yeah. and I'm glad you're, you're, you're summarizing it, but essentially, yeah. Um, okay. And that might be in a way interpretable in the sense that as we discussed, what the pill does is that it really just like tries to keep your estrogen levels down. Mm-hmm. And so that, might lead to the fact that women who are then already have a lot of dopamine in their system, they they don't need more estrogen to help synthesize more dopamine. So having their estrogen levels low might be helpful for their working yeah. memory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then as to the study on or the part of the study on the naturally cycling women, very very strange results in a way. And I'm not even I'm not sure how Laura is interpreting them, but yeah. Um, essentially I wanted to bring this up, not only to talk, to, to talk about my friend's study, but to talk (laughs) about the fact that it's so complicated. There are so many things that interact when you're talking about cognition in general, bringing in hormones, bringing in what's happening in the brain, um, bringing in different enzymes that work to break down different hormones. Um, and one thing that, my friend brought up when when I spoke to her about her study, which I wanted to play um, a clip from, but uh, our our Zoom connection was not very good. Um, but one of the things that she really highlighted was the fact that um, the brain and the body kind of seem to be thought of as like these separate entities. Mm-hmm. And when we're taking birth control, we're thinking, okay, well, I'm taking this to not get pregnant or I guess maybe even to like stop my acne or something like that. Yeah. But there is no boundary in the body between your brain and the rest of your body. So things are always going to interact. And we have to take those things into account. And I think my, the PI of that lab. So her name is Jillian Einstein. She, she also says um, that it's really important to actually, because most of the stuff we're talking about is the conclusion. We don't know. But it's really important when we're talking about this stuff to realize what we don't know. Yeah. And that's also a key to this research is like, oh, actually, there are so many questions that are left unanswered and we still need to do so much more research on these this stuff that so many women are affected by. And, you know, partners of the women who are on these birth control methods are affected by as well. Um, Yeah. And I just wanted to bring that up as like 
an illustration of how complicated the story is. Um, and I just want to say to the listeners, I worked in a genetic medicine lab and have a degree in biology, and I found that confusing. So if I you found, found that, that confusing, yeah. but don't stress. That was, um, but yeah, I think that that really does highlight how complicated it is. And I mean, that's only looking at like one interaction and exactly yeah and I worked on that study for a year and I I found it confusing the whole time and they were all confused and I had to ask (laughs) Laura many times about what was really going on and make sure that I was getting the results correct um and I think she's also you know she's thinking about it and like that's the reality of science also um which I think is good to know that like you know when you read about these studies in in the New York Times or in like BuzzFeed they don't know what they're what really happened um yeah um and I guess that's also a good segue into this next thing I wanted to bring up so a lot of research around the pill ends up with like these um clickbait articles and I think we've mentioned that I think with the love one and things like that because it's something that affects women and there's like also still these stigmas around birth control and people feel really strongly about it and like, oh, you know, all this stuff. So that was a good example at the end of last year, um, a professor of radiology at, in in Einstein university in New York, um, did MRIs of 50 women. So this is not a big sample size at all. And he is not even published yet. He just presented it at a conference. Um, So that means it hasn't gone through like all the peer review steps, but at this conference, he found that um, the amygdala of women who were on the pill was 6% smaller. Um, but he, you know, all the things that we've been saying, he couldn't really say that, like it was just a finding of like, maybe this deserves more research. He didn't really want to say that, but that was taken up by the press and <laughs> Even in this um, website called Live Science, which you would assume would be um, a good website to visit, it was like new study saying the pill shrinks the brain and and changes brain structure forever. (laughs) And this is just uh, very problematic because this is not what the researcher like meant at all. And they don't even know like the brain changes throughout your life and they don't even know if the size of things or any like if that has an effect or if that even is is a problem like they don't know if if your hypothalamus is six percent smaller if that means anything um so I think that's just like a good thing to realize when you're reading anything but also especially this stuff because another um so and then that brings up which I don't think we've discussed before is correlation versus causation so with a lot of these studies um that lead with these articles it's saying the pill is is causing this so it's like oh the pill causes you to have a smaller um hypothalamus but there's a difference so causation is when like yeah x causes y so the pill causes this so because i take the pill i have this smaller hypothalamus but the other, what is usually happening is correlation. And that's, oh, I'm bad at explaining this. <laughs> I'm looking at Ava over the Zoom, like jumping to explain the difference between causation. Go and for it, go for it. I'll add, I'll add afterwards. Um, but it could be that people who are on the pill, it's correlated to a 
uh, smaller hypothalamus. And this because it could be that, um, so there's all these other factors that come into play. So it's like women who choose to go on the pill, like is that something to do with their decision-making or like their kind of behaviors or, or how they feel on their periods? And is it that that is actually um, having them to have the smaller hypothalamus? So it's basically when you look at, when you just, when you don't look at the whole picture and you assume causation where it could be something else causing that. Yeah. That right. I think, I think um, we can also kind of illustrate this while talking about uh, our, our next section. We're organized today, guys. How organized you know this is. Um, so we also wanted to talk about the effects of the pill on mood or how actually from what Beth said, how mood and the pill are kind of correlated. So not necessarily the effects on mood. Um, but essentially there is, I mean, as listeners, you might have read some stuff about how the pill, quote, causes depression. Um, and there have been some studies that have linked pill uses to increases in incidence of depression. So the kind of big example of this was um, this 2016 study that was done in um, Denmark, I believe, um, that had a million women in the sample, which is a lot. That's pretty good numbers for psychology. Um, I guess it we was can't criticize that. Yeah. Well, we can. We will. <laughs> um, we were going to. <laughs> but so they, were, they followed a million women for 20 years. And essentially, they found that the women who were on the pill were more likely to also be um, taking antidepressants. So this kind of created this yeah, media storm of um, the pill causes depression. But I think, yeah, so what Beth was essentially saying is that um, we can't really say that the pill causes depression here because they're just they're just linked. So just as much as you could say the pill causes depression here, it also could tell you that um, having depression causes you to take the pill. So we don't know what the actual link there is. We just know that there is some kind of link. Um, And also getting to this idea of this third variable is that, so there are studies like the one that I just mentioned that showed that there is this link between depression and um, pill usage, but there's also a lot of studies that, and meta-analyses that show that there kind of, there isn't really evidence of this. Um, But I think right now the literature has this pretty robust effect that, especially for teenage girls who are taking the pill, there seems to be a section of that population of these teen girls who do have a really increased risk in depression after taking the pill. So there does seem to be some kind of link there. But the issue is that it's not all girls, all teen girls who are taking the pill. It's not age. That's not the main cause. But there seems to be what Beth was mentioning, a third variable or many third variables that essentially would get you to the causal link. So like um, girls who this is like, I'm I'm completely making this up, but girls who like run 10 miles every day, the reason that yeah. them running 10 miles, that triggers something in their brain that then leads to depression when they're on the pill. So that's kind of the idea of there being a third variable of something that's unexplained. And essentially, it seems like there's agreement in the field that there is something to this, but we have no idea what that actual cause is. We have no idea what the underlying thing is there. Um, And that's something that really needs to be looked into because it seems like there is a robust effect that's kind of scary that um, some teen girls might have this effect of, yeah, taking the pill and getting depressed. Um, 
but I think also, also to do with this, this idea of correlation isn't causation. I mean, this is more like anecdotal from my side, but definitely like, so personally, I started being on, on hormonal birth control when I was like 16 years old. Um, and a lot of my friends also started birth control around that time. And I did notice that when I started, I felt like I was crying all the time and I was, you know, yeah, like crying in the bathroom, crying in the hallway, crying in gym class, like shout out to my, (laughs) shout out to my high school friends. If you're listening to this, you remember. Always crying. Um, and I, and the thing is that I also noticed that my friends who were, who started taking the pill, they also had similar effects. A lot of the times, a lot of these girls would start crying, but there was this third variable of the fact that we were all 16, (laughs) emotional, and most of us were dating 16 year old boys. Yes, (laughs) And that's, that's the recipe for crying. And, you know, I've definitely heard this argument that that's like, kind of dismissing the experience is just saying like oh it was just because you're a teenager and it was just because you were dating right. this boy but at the same time those are things that affect your mood for sure yeah and that are happening at exactly the same time and it's really hard to dissociate what's what's causing something and what's just a correlation yeah. um so yeah because I also went on the pill when I was 16 for acne and I was really worried like oh is this a good thing to do and my doctor said, if you think of like the side effects of, of having the stress of having acne at 16, like that's going to be worse than the potential side effects of the pill. I mean, this was a long time ago now, so the research has changed. Um, but that I remember thinking that that made a lot of sense because, yeah, I mean, having acne at 16 will also make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I felt I personally love being on the pill. I if I'm not on it. So, I mean, I guess we'll go into this, but I've had the opposite effect. If I'm not on it, my mood is terrible. Um, so I, anytime I've gone off it, it hasn't worked for me at all. And I've gone right back on it. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely something that I want to touch on. But before we get to like going off the pill and going back on, um, I think it's important to, that we mention that like, I think that conversation that you had with your doctor is amazing. Like, I think that's exactly the type of conversation that we should be having is talking about the fact that there are certain risks. Like definitely the research needs to be there. It's, it's something medical. There are risks to basically anything you do. There's going to be a certain side effect possibly. It's important that women are educated about what the side effects are. And as we've talked about, about what we actually don't know. Because that's also yeah. important. Like you and I have been on hormonal birth control for a while. The long-term effects of that are kind of unknown for now. But it's really about the fact that you're looking at the risks and the benefits. And there's no question that the benefits of the pill yeah. are incredible. Like just the just the difference in how women have been in society in general since yeah. the pill started being taken like en masse yeah. by people. Um, you know, we can control when we want to have a child. We can control when we yeah. want to start a family, if we even want to start a family. And that's something super important down to things like I don't want to have acne because that really influences yeah. my mood, my day, my entire life and my self-confidence. Like those are also things to take into account. Um, there's also things like birth control where you don't have to have your period every month. So some women, you know, might not want that. And like how like, yeah, then now they can have that choice. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and that's also something super freeing also, like personally for me, 
Um, I'm I'm on hormonal birth control, but I'm on like the Nuva Ring, which is I think a great option for my ladies out there who forget to take their pill, which was me. Um, but it's a ring that you that you insert vaginally. Sorry, sorry, vaginally. It's medical, um, <laughs> um, and it's there for three weeks. But essentially, you can kind of control to a certain extent when you want to have your period by the time at which you take it out, as long as you're doing it consistently. Um, and you're not leaving out the ring for too long, obviously. Um, but yeah, my doctor even told me, you know, you can just put three in a row and not have a period yeah. and then have a seasonal period, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's just like a control over your life that I, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't give that up right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as we get to talking about giving things up, going on the pill, going off the pill, um, kind of a last thing that I wanted to touch on was this research that's out there about the differences in attraction when people are on the pill and people are off the pill, which I find um, terrifying um, <laughs> and also like scary just because I'm not a super big proponent of evolutionary psychology, but these kinds of studies really freak me out. Um, but essentially um, work has shown, so in just the regular menstrual cycle, there's been work that's shown that um, where I think they had a study where they had women take pictures of themselves every day and like the outfits that they were wearing and yeah. they had independent raters rate them on different things like how, I don't know, sexy the outfits were, how revealing they were, um, how conservative they were, things like that. And basically following the curve of the menstrual cycle, like going up to ovulation, women started, you know, posing in more subjective ways <laughs> and dressing differently. And this was all from independent raters, so stuff like that. But um, yeah. another really amazing study was a study that they did in a strip club where they had lap dancers um, report how many, like the amount of tips that they received every night. And yeah. the lap dancers who were on, um, who were regularly cycling, they had like an, a boost in tips when they were ovulating. Yeah. And that's yeah, just like about, yeah. with money. Whereas women <laughs> who were like, that, you know, there's not much to manipulate there. And then yeah. women who were um, on oral contraceptives, they didn't have that kind of increase. They just had like a flat amount of average tips. Like they were always making the same, <laughs> which is so insane. Um, but then the other, the other thing that's more related to attraction is that they've done studies um, on women who, like a lot of different studies on women who are on the pill and women who are off the pill. And they found that women who are on the pill tend to prefer less um, traditionally dominant faces. So they'll mm -hmm. do studies where they show different faces and they rate how attractive they are and they'll prefer less dominant faces and their partners will often fall into categories of like traits that are less dominant um, and more like caring personalities as opposed to like the bad boy, which Beth knows well. <laughs> and um, then it also happens that when women are on the pill or off the pill when they meet their partners, that there's kind of a change that they have to negotiate when they choose to go on or off afterwards. So um, a study found that women who were on the pill then went off the pill became more attracted to their partners if their partners were traditionally masculine looking and had masculine personalities, which really? which side note is like, what does that even mean? But that's what the study <laughs> found. And were less attracted to their partners if they were less traditionally dominant and masculine. Which is scary. Uh, and the anecdotal yeah. evidence is really terrifying as well from what I've heard from my friends. 
Although well, you had the opposite I went experience. Off the pill once and I do usually, well, I had the opposite. I do, yeah. oh, this is like very personal, but here we are. Um, I do usually always go for the bad boy, but when I was <laughs> off the pill, I got a boyfriend who wore button ups, worked in a hospital, you know, not really my usual type at all. Like, glasses. honestly, it was a um, glasses, the whole thing. And that was a shock to um, a lot of my friends, but maybe now I can just put that decision on the fact that I wasn't on the pill. Let's, let's do that. But there it is. That's, I mean, obviously anecdotal, this is not scientific, but like all of these studies have shown that, you know, if, when you go off the pill, then you're like, yes, I'm ready to be impregnated essentially is what it seems yep. to point to. Yep. <laughs> but you kind of had the opposite effect where like, you were like, I'm going to go for the good guy now that I'm ready to, guy. to be yeah. fertile. But it was, it, honestly, it's like, if you look at my dating history, you definitely could. It's like the curves of the money, I guess. There's definitely a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I honestly, I kind of don't know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> I, I, like when I read this research, I felt concerned, like just because, you know, as we've talked about, like I, well, you've been off the pill, but I've never been off birth control. And um yeah, it's kind of scary to feel like there's a possibility that there's like a version of yourself that you don't know. Um, and it gets into this, like, who is the actual true self? Because like, is it you? Who now? am I? <laughs> no, but really, I mean, I think it, I think, I mean, depending on who you are, of course, but I feel like it feels very like existential crisis-y to think about. Um, I definitely relate to like pill version, bad boy, Beth, to be honest. I don't relate to like... <laughs> But I guess that's where I am now. So. Yeah, but that's the thing. Also, if you've been on birth control, like supposing that there are these possible these possible effects on, you know, your preferences and your decision making and even your memory, like what else constitutes who you are other than those things? And you've been on the pill since you were since really the majority of your adult life. But without that, like synthetic thing that you were taking, you might be a different person. I mean, I think it's just, it's kind of similar to just being like, oh, if I had lived in, if you hadn't gone to NYU, you'd be a different yeah. person too. Yeah, um, if I hadn't done this, yeah. And it's just kind of like a different experience. But I think, you know, because there's, even though I think, I don't know if both of us, I think you to a lesser extent, but I don't really believe in the like, you know, natural is better stuff. But there is still <laughs> that pull of like, the true you is like you without <laughs> the extra stuff, which would be the the extra hormones that you're taking yeah I feel like normally in this situation our opinions would be switched so I really don't get that worry with the pill but you're right I normally am the one who's like natural is better and like let's be in nature and you're like ah oh, buildings are fine so I feel like <laughs> normally it's the opposite but in this way I really I guess because I feel so strongly about it I really don't and I mean this is just my feeling so I really don't feel like it I feel like who I am off it like I don't know I don't yeah there's little differences but I still feel I don't know still feel connected to who I am and then I guess if you went on that you could make the same argument for things like antidepressants and then we could just go on a whole thing on yeah yeah that's definitely yeah. true that's definitely true and that's definitely Who? also a debate but I and, and I think I usually fall on like the go pills side of the debate. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it's just something to think about and something to take into account. And I guess like yeah. our, 
I mean, we've we've talked about it throughout this podcast, but I think it's, you know, weighing the benefits and the costs or the possible costs of taking the pill. And most of the time for a lot of women, I think, you know, and for me and you, um, the costs or the benefits really outweigh any type of costs that there are. But I think it's clear yeah. that there needs to be more research. Yeah. And, you know, obviously if, you know, you never know, but I think if men had to take this pill, um, we would know a lot more about it. We would probably know everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's also something that we didn't touch on, but when we talked about doing this episode, we were kind of almost worried about doing it because it's, we don't want to criticize something as amazing as the birth control yeah. pill because, you know, as we've said, it's been incredible for society in general um, and yeah. for our personal lives. Um, but I think that that's also something to take into account is that because it's so incredible, I kind of feel like the opposite thing where you feel like you have birth control or what is it that it's called birth control guilt? Yeah, I feel I personally feel like um, I like when I tell people I'm on it, I always have feel like I need to give these like explanations to why like, oh, I'm, I'm on it because of this and because of that, because I know. And then maybe this is just like, I sometimes feel that there's like guilt and sometimes from other women like, oh, you're putting things that are unnatural in your body. Why you do things like that? Um and I definitely, because I, I also was like, when we were doing this podcast, I was like, wow, I'm going to know a lot of people who are going to not agree with this at all. Um, what do you mean? Which aspect? Like the, I just know a lot of people who are very just against it. Like it, it's not a good thing. It, it's not good. Like mm-hmm. we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be putting this in our bodies. Um, yeah. And like trying to, and then when I feel like I explain it, sometimes I'm trying to justify why I should but I think that there's a a a balance of of loving something but still being able to be critical of it and making decisions where I mean no decision we're ever going to make is going to be perfect amazing yay so it's like weighing that up and then yeah and then also I think this is also a very personal choice and we should yeah I feel like it's it is an individual experience for every every woman Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the fact that you're saying, because I kind of feel the opposite, like in the sense of you're saying, like, I know so many people who are kind of against the pill for X, Y, Z reason, maybe because it's unnatural. And that's kind of, you know, what we talked about that sometimes you're more for the proponent of the natural stuff. And I feel like I am like so hesitant to criticize it because my perception of what people would think is like, how dare you? criticize something like this and like it would be taking a step back to even say anything bad about um the pill um because it's been so incredible but it's exactly what you said that like even though we love something we think it's great like we you know knowledge is power (laughs) (laughs) and yeah we just need more research on it and I think it doesn't hurt to figure things out and like there's also something important to remember is there's been so many iterations of the birth control pill already there's like I think we're on like third or fourth generation of types of pills and earlier types of pills did cause a lot of blood clots and caused a lot of complications and figuring out how to make things work in a more precise way. That's only going to help. So I think talking about it is always good. Yeah. And also in research, like into the pill and how these hormones affect us isn't, doesn't just benefit like research on birth control but research on like the menstrual cycle and everything and and there's there's definitely a lack of research into 
women into those areas in yeah well yeah women that's like yeah definitely yeah and also you know I mean obviously culture and like the fact that for different women you know we talked about all these interactions and those genotypes like those genotypes also um also are kind of correlated to race and figuring out how the pill might affect women of different races with different genotypes that's also important to figure out what's optimal for everyone um, because, yeah. you know, a lot of these studies are also tailored to, to in psychology, the weird populations, like the white, yeah. educated, industrialized, rich, democratic. Did I get them all? Yeah. Social psych would be so proud. Um, anyway, so basically our conclusion as usual is we know nothing. Um, and now you know nothing with us. So, and it's up to you. Talk to your doctors. Because also sometimes doctors, like my doctor is super, I love her, but she's very kind of, I felt like she was kind of dismissive of the fact that there might be side effects. And I think that's also not great. Um, No, that's, yeah. So talk to your doctors and get educated and yeah, let's fight for more research into, you know, reproductive rights for women. Yeah. Women's health. Yeah. That's our final message, right? That's a good final message. (laughs) Yay. Okay. (laughs) Um, and now we'll get Glacio to take us out as usual. And don't forget to listen to his new album. It's great. Yeah. Just a small <laughs> plug. All right.